listening to On The Road, the number one Aussie trucking podcast made especially for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies and proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. Each week, Mike, Andy and an ever-growing cast of guests and experts will be bringing you all the latest news, interviews and upcoming events to help you stay on top of what's what and who's who in the Australian road transport industry. On this week's show, Mike digs deep into the Senate Road Transport Inquiry as he chats with Senator Glenn Stirl and trucking legend Rod Hanafy. Plus, we've got all the latest news and a whole lot more, so slip into overdrive, settle back and enjoy the show. Start her up. Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road. But when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> Starting from next week's episode, we'll be taking it to the streets. Our man Mike will be taking his roving mic into the truck stops and around the traps to find out what you think on a given topic of interest to people working in the Aussie road transport industry. Next week, he'll be asking you about the best road houses you visited and why you like to stop there. Keep an eye out for Mike, it might just be you he's talking to when you hear a cheery, g'day mate. G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Hello everyone. Today we're going to kick off with Senator Glenn Stirl. Now, Glenn has been in the Senate since 2005. He was a truck driver before that. Saw him out in a pink Mac the other day with a pink shirt on. That made me laugh. But, you know, at least he's having a go. I'm quite happy about that out there with the heavy haulage girls and the Pilbara. But anyway, we're just going to have a chat now about the inquiry. I'm going to be talking with Ron Hannafy later in the day about the inquiry as well and the things that he's had to say understand that Glenn is the chair of the inquiry and he may be a little bit constrained about what he's got to say because the thing is ongoing. But I just wanted to see, Glenn, where this thing came from and what you think you can actually do with it in the finish. How you going, mate? Thanks, mate. Thanks for the opportunity. The inquiry came about because prior to the last federal election, I had gathered a heap of industry representatives and said to them, and before anyone jumps on me, industry representatives being the ones that are out there, either representing owner-drivers or representing companies or representing drivers, employees, the whole lot, and said, look, if there was to be a change at the next election being last May, what do you want to do? And I know what I wanted to do. I wanted to work very, very closely with industry because we had the RSRT, to which I have said numerous of times, I supported the theory of the RSRT. I supported the concept of giving owner-drivers the opportunity to go somewhere, not get screwed over, not have to go and employ and engage lawyers. The trouble is, Mike, as you and I both know and everyone else knows, the RSRO being the order, 
completely blew it to pieces. It did. We just couldn't have the owner drivers being the ones that were going to be targeted. We had to talk about the whole industry. Anyway, there's no difference from where we know we've got to there. So what I did was I had 73 representatives around the nation in Canberra and said, okay, number one, I want to work together. If we had the numbers in the Senate, we being Labor, if we did win the election, I could go in there and do whatever I wanted to ram through whatever I wanted to do. That's not the way I work like. And I'd said very clearly the owner drivers were the voice that was not represented. And they weren't, and I still say they weren't represented. Owner drivers are really well represented around Metro, but they're certainly not out in the road. So as we all know, the election didn't quite go the way that I would like to have seen it because I would have been the assistant minister doing whatever it was we wanted to do to improve our industry. So I was really encouraged, mate. Once I got out of the fetal position after May 19th, I had many contacts from industry representatives who, prior to the calling of the first Transport Industry Standards Forum, who wouldn't talk to me, they'd rather run over me if they saw me in the street and then got together and said, hang on, how can we work together? So they encouraged me to have another one in from opposition, and I did. And I stand by this, Mike. I'm 60 now, mate. I've been doing this for 40 years. And when you bang your head against a brick wall that long, it starts hurting. And I said, you know, in the end of the day, I don't care if it's... Well, I do care. I'd love to be the minister to work with the industry to try and sort out our problems. But if the Liberal National Party were the sorted, I'd be the first one cheering them on from the highest building in the land. So I had another transport industry standards forum saying that we can't take the foot off the pedal. Let's get this damn industry improved. That's where the inquiry came from because I'd consulted with them and said, look, I know what the problems are in the transport industry. I don't have all the solutions. I think I do, Mike, yeah. but I don't. I know who has the solutions. Those who have the solutions are the men and women who have the steering wheel in their hand. Whether it's an owner driver, a company driver, or a business owner, all our issues are the same. And Mike, as I said, I've been doing this for 40 years from WA, take out fatigue management, take out performance based standards. All the problems are still the same. We still speak about the same stuff. And you know what? When I talk to the more transport operators and truckies I talk to, I say, how long are we going to keep talking about this? And while we're a fragmented industry, we're going to keep talking this long after you and I depart this planet, mate. Well, they probably will, Glenn. Mm. I've spoken to a lot of guys from as far back as Razorback, and we've been talking about the same problems day after day. There's not much changed out there. And when you talk to people who have been in the game for a while... Personally, I think one of the biggest problems in the industry is the fact that long-distance drivers generally aren't paid by the hour, they're paid by the day. And I know that there have been people in your inquiry that have pointed that fact out to you. Sure. And I intend to point it out to you when I'm fortunate enough to say my two bobs worth in front of you later on in the year, I hope. But just aside from all the evidence and things, with this COVID crisis that we're facing at the moment... How is the inquiry actually going? I mean, it seems as though it's got to start, it's stalled, it's got to start again, and it seems as though it's stalled. At the end of the day, there's got to be some sort of conclusion. How far off do you reckon that is, mate? End of the year, Mike. It's done my head in, mate, because the whole idea of doing the inquiry, when I got the support of the industry leaders to say, look, let's have an inquiry, let's highlight, let's put out a report, and let's all work together with the resolutions, I had planned to travel every state, every capital city, and there was a few regionals. I was doing Rockhampton, and reasons being is I offered the National Road Freighters Association. You've got great membership up there. Let's do it. I'd offered the livestockies and the rural traders. Let's do one out in central Victoria, in Victoria, Ballarat, or Bendigo, or something like that. I had also planned to go wherever I needed to go. The COVID has completely knackered that idea. But the reason I wanted to do that, Mike, is I can have the suits, and with the greatest respect, the suits that represent the transport industry 
I wanted the men and women in the transport industry to tell me. I wanted to give them the opportunity because they can't just stop working, come to a Senate inquiry sometime between yeah. 8 o'clock in the morning and 5 o'clock at night in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide or Darwin or, or Hobart. What I'd also planned, which is not going to happen, I wanted to do town halls in these places. And the town hall in Victoria was in Footscray because that's where the trucking industry is or Dandenong or Sydney, wherever it may be, to get the men and women in the transport industry come after ours and tell me, have their say. Anyway, I've now got the stage where there's one thing I really can't stand. It's Zoom. It doesn't give me the chance to engage. And what I mean by engage is interrupt all the time and burrow down further when transport operators are talking. So what I'm going to do, Mike, to cut off, I, I now, I was planning with my co-chair, could we do Perth, could we do Adelaide, could we do Darwin where we can travel to safely? The borders are closing each minute as we speak. It's getting tougher and tougher. So I'm now going to have to put my tail between my legs, do Zoom. That's what it's got to be. Yeah. Get the voice of the trucking industry out there. I want it all wrapped up and I want a report written, presented prior to the end of this year so we can get serious and get out there and start lobbying, all of us, to say, do we agree with the recommendations? If we don't agree with the recommendations, who's going to do what? And how are we going to progress this? And how are we going to improve this industry? Yeah, well, we've got a lot of people that are more than happy to tell everyone what the problems are, but there are precious few people that are prepared to come up with what they see as workable solutions, in my opinion. So, you know, we need to address that. Oh, Mike, thank you. Thank you very much. I keep saying on the, I've only done two inquiries and all my phone calls, and trust me, Mike, I speak to truck drivers every day because I'm very easy accessible and I like to return the calls. Yeah. But I'm saying we need the solutions. You guys and girls, you know the solutions and, and Michael, I'll say this without any fear of being donged on the head by the politicians. They will not listen to us, mate, while we're fragmented and we have to push for the, the pressure has to come from the bottom of the supply chain. And I hate saying that, but that's what we are. Yeah. We're the price takers. We've got to push it up, mate. Indeed, no argument. Thanks for joining me on the road, Glenn. I really appreciate your time on that one. Thanks, mate. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, they've discovered how Seeing Machines Guardian is scientifically proven to reduce fatigue events by more than 90%. To find out more about how Seeing Machines Guardian can provide proven assistance in safeguarding your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers, visit the website at www.seeingmachines.com or give them a call on 02-6103-4700 for more information. Hannafy has been around in the transport game for ages and one of the guys that I've got a lot of respect for and perfectly happy to give him some time. Now Rod's gracefully decided to join me on the inaugural episode of On The Road. Now I couldn't have a transport podcast without calling for one of the fellas who I think is a big name in the game. So how are you Rod? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Not bad at all. <laughs> right, so you're out there, you're driving at the moment, so we're all on the hands-free and doing everything right, I take it? Yes, mate, yes, just on my way home now. Saturday afternoon, mate, and you're on the way home. Dear, oh dear. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, just the life and times of being a driver, isn't it, really? It is, mate, and of course it's one of the things few people really understand. They don't have a proper understanding of what we do. They see the trucks, and I think one of the problems now is with thought lighters and things, they think we all drive up and down the road empty, mate, and they don't <laughs> reckon we contribute to their way of life, I'm afraid. Oh, that's right. I've done a bit of time with the tort liners and that myself, and there's a lot of sins hidden in those trailers, I can tell you. Mate, you've done a lot of stuff for road safety. That's been your bag the whole time. You've got the green reflector thing we can touch on briefly if you want to, and I applaud you for that, and you told the Senate about that. You've recently presented your evidence to the Senate inquiry, and I've been talking to Glenn Stirl about the inquiry. I've got my submission to present. The COVID thing sort of mucked up a little bit of the presentations as far as all that goes. Do you think there's going to be anything come out of this inquiry, mate? I mean, you've been banging your head against the road surface here for like 20-odd years, haven't you? Well, as you say, mate, I, I contributed to the Beyond the Midnight Oil inquiry. I contributed to the federal government inquiry into road safety in 2003. And whilst out of that inquiry in 2003, there were 35 recommendations Three of them were specifically mine, one of which was the green reflectors, although it does say marking informal bays with coloured reflector markers. Mm. There was another two I had a hand in. One was the idea of marking the length of overtaking lanes so that if you're on a road you're not familiar with, you come on an overtaking lane, instead of seeing that it goes round the corner and you're not knowing whether it goes for the next two kilometres or 200 metres, I wanted to get a length little sign, you know, 1.8 kilometres or one kilometre, and I wrote a piece for the chairman of that committee. And I've got to say, mate, of all of those recommendations, to my knowledge, not one of them was ever action. Mm. I do hold the federal government accountable for that. Saying that, I don't know what will come out of this inquiry, but I know that if people don't contribute and don't hold them to account over time then nothing will change. And the more that contribute, the more sound and the more noise we make, the more likely we are to get something done. Yeah, 100%. I'm a little bit late to the game and I'm sort of here now. I'm going to say my piece anyway. I really do think that we need to take a little bit of a, a stand and try and protect our future as far as our safety goes. It certainly seems as though there's some dramas there. I heard you mention that you've got some technology in the truck that measures the road surface and the impact that it has on the truck. How does that work, mate? Um, mate, it's a system that sits behind the onboard scales. So obviously I'm tracked. There's about five different GPS systems in this vehicle. Mm. One of them sits behind the scales and it records the impact. Now, initially, when it was done, the first truck I had, the K104 that belonged to Ken Wilkie, the first truck right vehicle, that was a manual system where I had to virtually know where the bump was before I got there, hit a button to record it. Mm. Uh, it now come a long way from that, and it records above a certain impact, currently about 1.8G. Mm. So 1G is the weight of the truck as it sits on the road. Obviously, as it travels down the road, it is changing and, and those impacts come into the vehicle. Certainly the tyres absorb some of that impact, but what it does, it reads the impact, it holds for about 10 seconds of data, so it's the bit of road prior, the impact itself and the road after, and it then shows how the suspension copes with that impact, and it does show over time whether that improves. And look, I keep asking authorities to fix many of them, 
Uh, I've been asking them for a long time, and there's currently a section of road up near Yalab, and I've been trying to get fixed for five years. Problem, isn't it? That section of road, there's a bump right at the end of it now where I would just about say I would have the wheels off the ground, yeah. and if it doesn't scare you, it scares me, <laughs> and yet I cannot get them to fix that bit of road, and yet even with this data, having offered to supply the data, so it's not like, oh, it's another whinging truck driver's rang up about a you know, pothole the size of his thumb. Yep. This is a serious impact, and those impacts not only affect the truck, they affect the driver, of course, as you're well aware. Yep. They then impact back into the road, and the thing is, we get blamed for damaging roads. Yep. And yet what happens really is that they are not building the roads nor doing the repairs up to the proper standard, when we then travel down the road, and that's our workplace, and they won't recognise that either, mm. and then we get blamed for damaging the roads when it's the roads that are damaging the trucks oh. and the drivers. And one of the things I've actually been using lately is that why do our trucks have to be roadworthy <laughs> when our roads aren't truckworthy? You won't get an argument out of me. My boss has just spent several thousand dollars replacing all the radiator mounts and radiator brackets in my 909 thanks to the Leichhardt. So it's just diabolical, some of the road surfaces that we've got to deal with, and I applaud your work, but it seems to me that the authorities just don't want to listen. Well, who holds them to account? Yeah. At the moment, nobody does. There is no national road standard. Hmm. There is no standard that means a repair must be done up to a certain standard, and I'm sure you've seen it, mate. Yeah. They come along today and repair a section of road, mm. and in two days' time, they're back fixing it again because they did such a lousy job in the first place. But there's no one holding them to that. And then the road authorities, look, that's one of the problems. They say, oh, we haven't got the money. Yep. But if they did a better job... If they got a better outcome for the money they spent, then we would all be far better off and have safer roads, less damage, and look, at the moment, we're currently recognised as being essential services, but we haven't been treated that way up till now. Yep. And I don't think we're asking too much to get a national road standard and a national repair standard. We need a national rest area standard as well. I think that was something that you said to the inquiry as well. A lot of things that there aren't any standards for, but we're all expected to comply with a fairly stringent set of rules as far as our fatigue management and vehicles go. doesn't seem as though it's a two-way street sometimes. Well, what I've asked for is a national rest area strategy. Yep. There are three things behind that. The first one is the only study that has ever been done in Australia as to whether we have sufficient rest areas was done by ARB, I think, in 2012. And not one of our major highways met the minimum requirement for rest areas. Not one. Wow. The second part of that is we all know that there aren't enough and currently we tend to be losing them. Yeah. And I've had so many arguments with people over a little spot where it's a popular spot on that bit of road and you come along two weeks later and that spot's been disappeared, it's had Armco built round it, it's been closed off, whatever it might be. Mm. And, mate, there was a spot on the Hume Highway there at um, Hilltop at Colo Vale. Yes, I know it. Yep, 
So you remember we used to have a really good spot there. You could pull in at the top of the hill. It was virtually the first place that you had coming out of Sydney to stop if you wanted to check a load or whatever it might be. And when they initially put up barricades around it, I rang up and I said, oh, what's going on with the rest area? Oh, look, we're going to fix it up. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fine. That's really good. Two weeks later, come back, Armco from end to end. Now, it took me six months of phone calls and emails to finally get the person responsible for closing that site. And their answer was, oh, well, one of our blokes came up the road and a truck pulled out in front of him and we thought it was dangerous, so we closed it. That's it. And, And we lose all of those little sites when we don't have enough to start with. And the trouble is you are then dealing with people in different jurisdictions and every one of them says, oh, but I'm only closed in one spot. It doesn't matter to you. Yeah. But you get 10 blokes doing that a month yeah. and we don't have enough rest areas to start with and they're not building any more to replace them, then we are going backwards and we need someone to say on a given road with a given volume, there needs to be so many rest areas, they need to be this far apart And, mate, the other thing I'm trying to get done is that where accidents and deaths are deemed as fatigue crashes, and we all know currently that there is no real proper definition Mm. of what fatigue is, but I reckon if we could align where those fatigue crashes occur, I reckon we'll find that they're places that have a shortage of rest areas or insufficient number for the trucks using that road. And I think that would then help us get something done about building more and increasing that capacity where we need it. It's a straightforward observation. And the problem that we've both got and we both know for certain is getting those numbers and that correlation to get the information to make the case. That's that's the problem. And of course, one of the reasons if we were cynical people, we would say that they don't want to do that because they know that we'll be able to prove that there is a correlation mm. and that we will then have some weight to put behind them. Mm. You know, Glenn, I, I'm sure being an ex-driver that, that's running this and he got this Senate inquiry up and that's a fantastic thing. The people who have submitted, and I've listened to nearly all of the oral submissions so far, plus I put in a written submission and an oral one, Mm. and there's been some good points raised, but anybody has to look back and say, one, they're in opposition at the moment. Yes. Two, we've only got to look at all of the previous inquiries that have failed to change anything, but that doesn't mean that you give up, because if we all give up, mate, nothing will ever change. No, that's right, and that's why I've decided at this time to put in a submission. The hard part about it is that you and I both know you've got guys on the road that are like you and me both employed drivers to try and actually get the time to go and sit down at one of these things and present the case. It's bloody hard going sometimes to get that time, and I think there's the perception also from some guys, well, it doesn't matter, as you say, all these other inquiries have been held and nothing's changed. Am I just wasting my time by being there? Yes, but then if you extend that a little bit further, like we currently have the Heavy Vehicle National Law Review. Mm. Now, when that was mooted, and I said, yep, that's a good idea, and I I spoke directly to the NTC, Mm. And I said, if you want us to contribute, you have to make it simple. You have to make it easy for us to get our views to you because if I was a cynical bugger, I'd say that there are times when you deliberately put things out so that we don't know and you put something out saying, well, we want your comment, 
And by the way, things close in two weeks. Nobody knows about it. Nobody contributes. Therefore, they turn around and say, well, nobody contributed. No one told us that this was a problem. Therefore, we'll just do whatever we like and you'll be stuck with it. Now, when that first started, mate, the first document was 70 pages to read Mm. with 12 questions. There were seven of those documents. Now, there aren't many drivers will make that time, as you suggest. Some of them don't have the time. Some of them don't feel that they can write something that will be easily understood by someone who's never done the job. Yet if we don't contribute, we will get told, well, no one contributed, therefore we decided this was the best, and it is too hard to change it afterwards. Yeah. Well, the other side of it is too, though, there are a lot of guys out there who, I don't know, I think they struggle to get their point across. There are perception issues, and of course, sometimes these days, if you want to deny the argument or deny the case, then you have a go at the individual and the way they're presenting the argument without addressing the argument itself. I've seen that happen a couple of times as well. I had a mate some time ago, there was a New South Wales parliamentary inquiry, and I said, look, I can't get to this one. I've written something in would you be prepared to put in a submission and do something? And he went out of his way, he wrote a submission, he went and attended, and he was treated like a leper. Mm. He offered to provide a heap of information at the end of his 45 minutes that he was given. He said, oh, look, I've got all this written information here. And they said, oh, well, you didn't raise that in your 45 minutes. And this is two minutes after the event. Yeah. And he was told that because he hadn't raised that within his 45 minutes and and he'd gone to a lot of trouble to write that up and backed up all of his argument that he had given orally. And they said, I'm sorry, we can't accept that. Now, he said to me, don't ever bother asking me again. Yeah, well, I know that Glenn wanted to do a lot of town halls and roadhouse meetings and get out there with the guys that have actually got their steering wheels in their hands. I mean, the guys and the girls, of course. But unfortunately, he's been a little bit mucked up with the coronavirus response. So unfortunately, he was saying to me there before that he's going to have to start relying on Zoom and he reckons that's going to affect the quality of the information he gets. And I think he's probably right. Yeah, look, there are blokes out there, and and you and I both know, to explain a problem in writing can be very hard to do. Yeah. And then not all of our blokes are Rhodes Scholars. No. There is the perception that if you can't write compulsory or spell it right and you put something in that people are going to belittle you and then ignore your contribution simply because of your lack of ability to spell a word, then they're of that perception they won't get listened to therefore they can't see the value in making the effort to even contribute and then the authorities know that and they also then say well you know we told you that this was open and we told you it was available but they don't do a very good job that hbnl review was not in the magazines before it started they didn't make enough people aware Now, realistically, if you wanted a lot of truck drivers to contribute, there should have been a poster in every truck stop in Australia that says, this review is coming, here's where you can contribute. Now, it is, some blokes now don't read the industry magazines, we don't really have a truckies radio program. How do you get to every truck driver in Australia? It is very hard to do. 
And I'm sure you'd agree, mate, many of them are very cynical for the reason that we've been asking for better roads, better rest areas and education of the public about sharing the road with trucks for the last 20 years. Yeah. And if you can show me where we've made any great inroads, except for some of the stuff I've done and some others have done as individuals trying their best, then no wonder blokes are cynical. Oh, just another bloody review. No one will listen. Why should I bother? And I clearly understand that's how many of them feel. Yeah, well, I was talking to Barry Grimson only the other day and I've spoken to Spencer Watling and a few of the other fellas that were doing the Razorback thing and, and they've all said to me in furious agreement that even when they'd done what they did there back in 1979, some of the things haven't changed and even though they, they sorted out a few issues, there are a lot of things that remain that haven't been changed and we're going to be dealing with those problems into the future. I don't think there's the wherewithal to change some things, Rod. Look, people talk about doing another stoppage and, and I don't think that we have the public support for that. Mm. The other alternative is for everyone just to stay home and that's been tried as well. And the big companies love that because they'll just keep working and take all the work that you had last week. Yeah. It is a very hard thing to do. Blokes are cynical because we haven't achieved anything. That doesn't mean that you give up. This inquiry is there with the best of intent. We have to make sure it has the capacity by those submissions to carry some weight and hopefully get something done. We've got to support it by contributing. We've got to support it by making noise to say that there are issues and we want them addressed. But the one thing I'd say to you, mate, look, I've been involved with the ATA. I'm, I'm currently Vice President of National Road Freighters Association. And NRFA are probably the closest group to people on the road. And yet they struggle to get members. They struggle to get heard in some forums. And if they've been going 10 years and they can't get people involved and get that support, how does anybody else get it done? And everybody will sit in a truck stop and winch. Yeah. That's wrong. The laws are wrong. The penalties are wrong. But you ask them to join an association or to get behind any of the other ones, whether it be a state-based one or otherwise, then they can't get that representation either. So, look, you can't have it both ways. You can't whinge nothing will change and then do nothing about making that change happen. No, well, my mantra, mate, is put up or shut up, and I think it's time for a lot of blokes to put up, personally. Yeah, look, it is hard to get them together. And, of course, the other thing is, like, people have tried in the past and gone to the government with this great big list of things that they want fixed. Now, that's never going to work. Yeah. We have to go to the government with a maximum of six problems, and we all agree the government doesn't have the solution. Yeah. They don't even know the problem exists. So you have to go to them with six problems and six solutions, and you have to have someone that the industry will get behind to put those things up and show, here is the problem, here is the actions and the issues that causes, here is that we agree will solve some of that. Now, the government's not just going to say, oh, Rod rang and he's got these six solutions, let's do that. That's never going to happen. Yeah. But you can't go to them with a list of 100 things because they can't cope with that, and they're going to be bored after number four anyway and give up. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to go to them with some united front. And look, the way things are at the moment, we can't show we have that united front and we can't back up any claim that says we do. 
So until we come up with something like that, whether this Senate inquiry might be an avenue for that, nothing will change until we agree on what we want, why we want it, how we believe we can fix it, and that we agree on backing those issues and doing something about it. 100%. Look, Rod, I'd love to talk to you a lot longer, but we're out of time, so... We'll just do what we can. And where can we catch up with the truck ride industry vehicle and you next? When are you going to make a bit of a personal appearance? Well, of course, uh, the way things are with shows at the moment, mate, that's all in abeyance. Um, I did have a gentleman in the truck from Infrastructure Australia, so I haven't given up on having passengers in the truck. And at the moment, I'm working on the next truck ride industry vehicle, hopefully for the new year, mate. So maybe sometime in the new year, I'll have an announcement there and we'll be back to a little bit of normal and and I might be able to get to some of those events. But we've just released our Truckies Top 10 Tips on video. Yep. Put out some really good videos about caravans and road trains, and you can see all of those at sharetheroad.net.au. We would welcome people using those educational tools, if you wish, to uh, help promote them, and they're all available free, and we welcome comment and people using them to help educate others to be safer on the road with us. That's great. Thanks for joining me on the road. I really do appreciate it. You take care out there, mate. Keep it safe. Safe travelling to all, mate. For more than 70 years, the name Pearlcraft has been synonymous with handmade pearl and marble finished steering wheels and gear shift knobs. Each and every Pearlcraft product is 100% handcrafted, keeping true to their motto of always work with pride, let quality be your guide. They can transform and enhance your current steering wheel or create a whole new wheel designed to suit your rig. Visit the Pearlcraft website at www.pearlcraft.com.au for more information about the complete range of Pearlcraft products and services. Pickles here, I listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. Here on the road, it's time for the news. G'day, Mike. G'day. How are you, mate? <laughs> Good. Here we are, episode one. It's been quite a journey getting to this point, hasn't it? Tell you what, mate, I've been fairly busy trying to get it all sorted out. It's just crazy the amount of things that have to have been done, but we're getting there now. We're on the road. <laughs> well, we are. That's a good title for a podcast. Not a bad title for a podcast. I wish I'd thought of it. Indeed. Mate, let's launch into the news for this week. So first up, Queensland Rail's launched a campaign they've called Size Matters. I'm almost scared to ask, what's that all about? (laughs) Well, mate, it's one of those things. We've got fellas driving around that really don't know how tall their vehicles are. Surely not. Oh, yeah. People around don't know how tall their vehicles are and they've been crashing into railway bridges and overpasses and things like that. I seem to be hearing that every day on the news up here in Brisbane. Well, it seems to happen a lot. And the fines for this are absolutely eye-watering. If you hit one of these things and damage the infrastructure, then Queensland will fine you up to $10,500, $10,676, I think it is specifically. And they reckon that you've ignored a low clearance sign. So these things are all well and truly clearly marked. Mm. And guys that haven't had the common sense to run a tape measure over their load are going and hitting these bridges and doing a lot of damage. And apart from the bad look it is to hit this sort of stuff, it costs a lot of money to get it fixed and it costs a lot of people a lot of time and people are just over it. Yeah. So Queensland Rail have launched a campaign to try and reduce the number of bridge strikes and do something about it. 68 were hit last year, apparently. Mm. 
So what are Queensland Rail asking truckies to do? Well, they're just asking you to know your trucking height, mate. Steer clear of the rail bridges where your vehicle load is too high. Understand the risks of what you're doing and the consequences of losing focus. So they're hoping the drivers are going to become more alert, plan their journeys a little bit better, know how large they are, and they're going to put the message out on the social media, radio, Spotify, billboards and all that sort of stuff. Obviously with the idea that making people thinking about how tall their trucks are or how tall their loads are and hopefully reducing a bit of the pain for everyone. Fair enough. Hope it works. So do I, mate, because it's a real pain when you get stuck behind these things. Oh, yeah. And, Mike, the Victorian Transport Association has made some recommendations regarding greater access for Victoria's road network at night for heavy vehicles during the post-COVID recovery. That sounds like a fair thing. Well, it is a fair thing because what we need to do is improve the way we do business in trucking. Mm. There are roads at the moment that have various curfews on them and the industry has been responding to the COVID problem pretty well. I mean, we've complied with all the permits, trying to get across the state borders and be as safe as we can. But transport's an essential service. Nothing ends up in the shops without it's been in a truck and usually more than once. Mm. So... For the VTA, which is the Victorian Transport Association, to call for a bit of extra access to make it easier for the trucks to get around when it's quieter, when there's less vehicles on the road, going to inconvenience people a lot less than it does currently, and extending some changes to the acts that allow these access to happen is certainly a good idea, particularly as the economy starts to reopen. In fact, Mr Anderson from the VTA says pretty much exactly that. Says extending changes to the Act would go a long way towards ensuring continuity and replenishment of goods for the Victorian consumer. Mm. That's essential for our industry to make deliveries to supermarkets, pharmacies and essential retailers and support businesses and the economy as they start to reopen. Mm. And that's one of the things we've got to do. Transport's got a role to play in reopening and getting our economy ticking over again. So I think it's a great thing. I think they'll give it some serious consideration. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a win-win for everyone, isn't it? It is, yeah. And Mike, speaking of COVID and all that's brought with it, and we won't even start on that, Mm. what effect has COVID-19 had on the much-loved and anticipated truck shows around the country? Well, the fans of the bling and the show and shine and big rigs are having a real problem, mate, because there's hardly a truck show to be seen anywhere. Mm. They've all been cancelled. Some have tried to go to online truck shows and things like that, but... Castle Main's been cancelled, Casino's been cancelled, all the big truck shows are cancelled. In fact, the rumours that I've heard in the industry, the next thing that we're looking at uh, seeing anything happening is the truck show in Brisbane next year. Mm. COVID has really put a damper on all this sort of stuff. It's very, very hard to organise static displays because of the social distancing rules. Councils and police don't really want to do convoys or anything like that. Even the Illawarra Convoy for Kids, which is the biggest convoy in the country, raises some of the largest amounts of money. We're even looking at some changes there this year. And that's a bit of a passion for me because I've been in that one. Yeah. And it's just going to be tougher. So hauling the Yume and all that sort of thing, Penrith, they're just not happening. Yeah. It's just a bit of a shame, really. The reality of it is, though, that we do have to take some sensible precautions and looking at the alternatives of online truck shows. I mean, it's not as much fun as going and seeing these things in the flesh. Everyone likes to stand beside the bond of a big Kenworth or something like that and admire the crane and talk to the drivers and that, but I don't think it's something we're going to see happening for a little while, mate. Yeah, well, like so many other things in our lives at the moment, roll on 2021. Let's hope it's better. Indeed. Mike, it's been an absolute pressure. (laughs) Let's do it again next week. Indeed, we'll do it again next week. 
Good stuff, mate. Take care of yourself. talking on the road about the United Transport Group. Now, I've been fortunate enough to be invited to join this group as a board member, and there are some pretty big names in this group. Yogi Kendall's joined the group. Tony Fulton of Tones Truck and Tunes has joined the group. Roxy Misco, former regulator and all-round truck driver and years of experience. Darren Quinn from Tasmania's in the group. I could go on with the list of names. But there's people from all around Australia who are behind the wheel and who understand the problems that drivers face every day. And this has all come about because we've all written submissions to the transport inquiry that's been run by Senator Glenn Steele. And we decided that it was time for a grassroots organisation to represent the 80% of drivers that aren't in an association or a union. The power of a united voice should come together and create a push that has to be listened to. There are a number of problems within the industry, regulations and policies, eye-watering fines, routes and vehicle combinations that just don't make any sense. And the people behind the wheel see all these things and we've decided that it's time that we talk about it. So who are we? We're a group of like-minded transport people from across the industry with some government experience and we've decided to lead this new group. What we want to do is we want to bring together the drivers, owner-operators, transport business and have a strong, united voice. And so it's obvious. Why unite together? Because that's the best way we can get the best result. We're going to be doing questionnaires. We're going to be doing all sorts of industry feedback things to get the answers from the drivers and from the people that are actually out there doing the job. So how can you help us? You can join as a member, pay a very small fee. I think it's $100 for drivers and if you're a company, the fees vary depending on how many vehicles you have. Why are we charging a fee? Well, these things have to be paid for. As far as I'm aware, none of us are drawing a wage out of this. I know I'm certainly not. We've donated our time, but things have to be paid for. We've got to pay for lawyers. We've got to pay for all this other stuff. For your membership, you'll get access to all the information we generate. You'll get access to all the services that we offer, and you will have a say in what goes on. I really can't stress how important it is for people to join together and have a look at what we do. So you can go to the unitedtransportgroup.com.au webpage. There's great information there. You can go to the Facebook page, United Transport Group. All the contact details are on those pages and you can talk to us directly and ask questions. We will answer your questions on Facebook. There are phone contact details there. We are more than happy to talk to people and explain them what we're doing. I'm passionate about this. All the people that are involved in it are passionate about it. We've put this thing together to make a difference, and that's what we intend to do. Well, that's our show for this week, folks, and it was proudly brought to you by Seam Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. Hope you enjoyed the show. For more on-the-road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions, or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. 
Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode of On The Road. In the meantime, play nicely with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The hosts and producers of On The Road firmly believe in the right to free speech. And whilst we may not always agree with the opinions of some of our guests, we firmly support their right to hold and express those views.